Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Thank you for the reading. Good morning. Wonderful selection of texts from the lectionary today. In last week's sermon, we looked at the passage primary, primarily from Revelation, and we talked about Jesus as the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, and the faithful witness. We then looked at how that moves us as his followers, just like John, into doxology, hymns and expressions of praise, as we see that Christ has loved us, forgiven our sins, and has made us a nation of kings and priests. Today, we're going to take a brief look at all three readings to see a picture of Jesus from three different perspectives and how those three perspectives correct incorrect perspectives that that people may or may not have of Jesus. So we're going to talk about Jesus in three perspectives today. The first one is from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. And we have an interesting scene of some some worship going on before the throne of God in heaven, continuing on, on from last week. But before we get in there, I'm going to talk, we're going to, we're going to look at number one here, Jesus from a cosmic perspective. Now, some people, when they think of this word cosmic in relation to Jesus, they might be thinking of, of these sort of new age feel-good-isms of like the cosmic Christ consciousness or the cosmic Christ spirit. That's that's not what I'm talking about here, and that's not what Scripture talks about when we're talking about looking at Jesus from a cosmic perspective. And oftentimes, also, like in popular media, uh, we see cosmic displayed in certain ways. So let me give you an example. So when I was a kid growing up, I used to be really into comic books, as you couldn't tell from, like, three-quarters of my pop culture references and sermons, right? So I used to be really into comic books. I used to buy them, collect them, read them. Now, when they had a character who they wanted to be like really powerful, right, who could like you know fly into space and be so powerful no one could stop them, they would give them cosmic powers, right? And cosmic was just sort of this term that they used to explain something that didn't know. They, their powers come from the universe somehow, and they make them super, super powerful. And so this theme of cosmic as 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 expressed through sort of violent power, um, finds its way into popular media that way. But then when we think of the word cosmic, we also think of thoughts of, of the violence in our universe that actually exists, right? Like black holes, neutron stars, dark matter. It was actually really exciting the other day. They got a, uh, the first actual image ever uh, of a black hole. You should Google it. It's, it's, it's awesome. But when we think of the, the word cosmic, we think of these things like these phenomena of black holes, a force so powerful, nothing can escape it, not even light, neutron stars, dark matter, all of these sorts of phenomenon. I, wanna, I mention these things specifically because we think of violence and power expressed in, in specific ways. But when we look at how Jesus is presented cosmically in Scripture, we get a little bit of a different example here. So in this passage from Revelation, it's worth mentioning what's happening at this point. John is standing before the throne of God, and he's observing everything that's going on around him. And there's a sealed book that nobody can open. And John weeps 
in this vision because no one can, no one is worthy enough and no one is able to open this sealed book. And he starts to weep, but an angel comes to him and says, John, don't worry about it. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered and he's going to open the book. And so when John lifts up his head to see the lion, he doesn't see a lion. What does it say that he sees? It says he sees a slaughtered lamb, right? Seated on the throne, right? The slaughter lamb is seated on the throne of God. And we see some clear Christian Christology on display here, right? Namely, the, the belief that Jesus is, in fact, God. Then something amazing happens. Praise begins to erupt before the throne of God. And they begin to sing that this slain lamb that is seated on the throne is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Note that the lamb is not worthy to receive these accolades because he was the strongest warrior or he was the most violent because he conquered and he is worthy because he is the lamb who was slain. When confronted with the slain lamb, the worship that is offered to him spreads. It starts with the angels and the beings before the throne of God. But then it says in the passage that we, we just heard read that that worship then spreads to all those in heaven. And then it spreads from all those in heaven to on earth. And then it even spreads to those under the earth and in the sea and everything in them. Everything in the entire created order erupts with worship to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And when we are confronted with the cosmic Christ, we are moved to worship and adoration that the slain lamb has triumphed. The second perspective I want to look at today about, about Jesus is from a corporate perspective. So in the reading from John's gospel, we get a little bit of a different perspective of Jesus. And we see him from a corporate point of view. Now, when I say the word corporate, I mean in the sense of a gathered group of people, right? not the point of view of an individual, which we'll actually get to in a few minutes. So in the reading, when confronted with Jesus' death, the disciples go back to the only thing they really know. And this, remember, keep in mind, Jesus has already appeared to them in the room. Remember, they had the doors locked, and they were afraid. And then Jesus appears to them, and he says, hey, peace, be with you guys. And they freak out, and he's like, hey, I said peace. And he breathes on them, and he has received the Holy Spirit. And then Thomas doesn't believe, and Thomas is like, eh, that didn't happen. And then Jesus appears to them again, and he's like, hey, Thomas, put your hands in my wounds. And Thomas does, and he calls Jesus my Lord and my God. This has already happened, right, in the story. This is after that. They don't kind of know what to do next. So they're like, well, we can always just go back to fishing. So that's what they do. They kind of go back to the only thing that they really know is to fish. And sometimes we do that too in our spiritual lives is we get, when we get stuck, we go back into old habits, old way of doing things. And they go back into the lake and they don't catch anything. Then an amusing thing happens and, and they wind up experiencing a miracle that ties in with how many of them were first called. So Jesus appears on the shore and he calls out to them. He's like, hey guys, have you caught anything? And it says they did not know it is Jesus. And then they shout back, no, go away. Don't you hate it sometimes when you know how to do something and then somebody who doesn't know comes up to you and is like, hey, you should do this thing that you know how to do. You should do this in a different way. How would you respond to that? 
probably not well, right? <laughs> probably not well. Like if Kenny was working on building a table or refinishing something, and I walked over to him and I was like, hey, Kenny, you should use this type of screwdriver to, to take care of this. He would look at me like I'm crazy, and he would tell me to go away, and rightfully so, because I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Makes sense. I kind of think maybe this is what's going on here with Jesus and the disciples. are like, not this again. These people telling us how to do our job. No, we haven't caught anything. Leave me, leave me alone. But then he calls out to them again. And he says, hey, cast your nets on the other side and you're going to catch something. And then they li- they're like, all right. So they listen. And they instantly take in a massive haul of fish. And John, all of a sudden, he's like, Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I remember this. This happened to us before. John says, it is the Lord. It's Jesus. And then John's the clever one. He pieces it together before everyone else. And then Peter, he immediately throws off his work tunic when John's like, oh, that's Jesus. Peter's like, what? Throws off his his work cloak, jumps in the water, and swims to shore. Leaves all his friends to, (laughs) like, bring in all the fish, right? And he swims and he gets there before the others do. And it's interesting, uh, commenting on this, St. Theophilac wrote that John is more perceptive, but Peter is the more zealous. John is quicker to recognize Jesus, but Peter is quicker to reach him. And he makes an interesting observation here. And it would be good for all of us to imitate both Peter and John. We should be quick to see Jesus, but we should also be quicker to reach him when he calls out to us. And we are called, and and notice, this happened, brothers and sisters, not when each one was kind of off doing their own thing, but when they were as a group gathered together working, right? They were doing something together as a group. Jesus appears to them and calls to them. And then when they get to the shore, what does Jesus have for them? He has food laid out for them. He has bread and fish cooking, and they eat together. And when we are called by the corporate Christ, the Christ who shows himself when we are gathered together, we are invited to dine with him and with one another. Theophilic, again, commenting on this, he said, refreshment and delight follow after holy labor. And that's what we're doing here, brothers and sisters, is we are laboring together. When we gather corporately here in church, we are joining the worship of the Lamb in heaven, and we are being fed at his table as a foretaste of the heavenly feast to come. And then lastly, from our reading in the book of Acts, we see Christ from the perspective of an individual. Now, this narrative is the account of the conversion of Saul, who is also called Paul. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. He was a persecutor of the church. And we know his story. We th- he thought by arresting people who were part of this new upstart sect that he was actually serving the God of his fathers. He was very zealous. And he was very, very much convinced of his own rightness in the matter. He even presided over the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. And remember how last week when we talked about Jesus Christ as the faithful witness and his act of witness was the cross, Stephen is a witness to Jesus by himself being, uh, by himself being killed, himself being executed, following in his Lord's example. In this way, he is a witness to Jesus. Saul has a false understanding of who Jesus is and blinded by his unbelief, He needed to be blinded with something else. 
And it says that he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We get some descriptive stuff in here. The light shines all around him. He falls down, and he himself becomes blinded, right? A physical manifestation of his spiritual malady. And Jesus speaks to him. Jesus asks him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what does Saul ask? He says, who are you? (laughs) Who are you, Lord? So he realizes that this is an encounter with God, right? It's an encounter with the divine. And he says, who are you? And the answer probably surprised him a little bit. I am Jesus you are persecuting. Jesus then tells him to go into town and to wait because he's blind. And Saul listens. And Jesus sends a man named Ananias to pray for him. And Jesus tells Ananias, go. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he will suffer for the sake of my name. Jesus chose the unlikeliest candidates to be one of his apostles and to bring the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. And St. Paul even winds up bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Caesar himself in Rome. Because in Acts, he appeals to Caesar. And the book ends with him awaiting his appeal to Caesar. He appears before the kings of the earth. And it's interesting, brothers and sisters, that Jesus says, I'm going to show him the suffering that he will endure for the sake of my name, for the sake of bringing my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel. And we are called to to bring Christ's name to others. And at times we may suffer for that. And I like to call this perspective of Jesus individual perspective because Paul as an individual has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now imagine what that confrontation must have have done to him. His entire spiritual life was completely undone. There was a massive upheaval in that the one person he did not believe in was the Lord he thought he was serving by persecuting others. And his sin is highlighted and illuminated by the light of Christ in all of its ugliness. And in that light, he is blinded. But then Jesus sends Ananias to him, and he lays hands on him, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you so you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias lays his hands upon him. He prays for him. Paul is converted, receives the spirit, and the scales fall from his eyes, and he's able to see again. And immediately he went into the synagogues, preaching that Jesus is the Christ. And brothers and sisters, all all of us, we will see Jesus from all of these perspectives. We will be confronted with Jesus in these three perspectives. And we need these three perspectives of uh, of the cosmic Christ, of the corporate Christ, and the individual Christ, right? We need those three perspectives because each one of those corrects a false perspective. The cosmic Christ perspective corrects the false perspective that Jesus is not God. This is a problem that Christians had to deal with from very early on 
and even continuing up until nowadays are many different religions and, 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 and religious groups that use Christian terminology but actually are not, that are not Christian in that they deny that Jesus is God. And we need this cosmic Christ. We need this picture of the slain lamb on the throne being worshipped as God because it helps correct the false perspective that Christ is not God. He is God and he is worthy to be worshipped and honored and glorified. Then the perspective of the corporate Christ, it corrects the false perspective that the Christian faith is primarily individualistic. We, we are not, brothers and sisters, we are not saved alone. We are saved together, right? Christ, right, St. Paul talks about the church is the body of Christ. So when we have this picture of Jesus as from the corporate perspective, right? We realize that our faith is not individualistic. And the reason why our faith at times seems individualistic is because our culture has made our faith individualistic primarily because we live in an individualistic culture, right? This idea that we can do anything we can, we can do it all on our own because that's what it means to be an American, right? But brothers and sisters, we get confronted with this because even in our own battle for independence as a country, we didn't just do it ourselves. We had help from the French and a bunch of other people. Nobody is saved alone. Our faith is not primarily individualistic. It is corporate. It expresses itself in a corporate dimension. That's why, brothers and sisters, as Christians, we cannot relegate our life of worship to me at home, just me and Jesus with my Bible. We need the church. That is why we gather, because we are saved together. And lastly, we need still, even though our faith is not primarily individualistic, there still is an individual perspective to our faith. So when we see the individual Christ, right, like St. Paul does, it corrects the false perspective that we can ignore Jesus, that we can ignore his work, and that we can live as if he doesn't exist and as if he has no claim on us. But brothers and sisters, us more than anyone, if we are in him, then our lives are not our own, (laughs) right? Scripture says we have been purchased with a price, right? We have been purchased and freed from sin and from death, but Christ is then now our Lord, and we belong to him. We owe him our allegiance. We belong to him. Our lives are not ours. And this, brothers and sisters, this then should lead us to worship, to adore and to receive Christ as we gaze on him in those three perspectives, the cosmic, the corporate, and the individual. And so, as the living creatures and the angels and the elders before the throne of the Lord said, we say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. 
If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd ask that you would take a few minutes and go to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone. We are fundraising in order to give our building some much needed repairs, and anything you'd be able to donate to us would be greatly appreciated. You can also find us online, zionstoneucc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, zionstoneucc. If you could also go to iTunes and rate this five stars, that would help with our visibility. And you can also listen and share this podcast on Spotify as well. Once again, thanks for listening, and God bless you.